Hello, hello. It is I, Casey Coop, host of Casey's Freak Show podcast. And joining me in the studio today is Bill Dixon. Bill is a comedian, ridiculously hilarious writer, and producer at The Bachelor who's nine years sober. He's also Twitter famous, and I think we met at a tweet up, which is this ridiculous gathering of Twitter funny people that happens sometimes in L.A., Um, But it was cool. I remember meeting you there. Um, But Bill's political humor cracks me up daily. Um, More importantly than any of that nonsense, Bill helped me get sober and beat the free bitch. (laughs) I am today. Um, We were actually supposed to have a coffee date, but this is L.A. and I'm like, everything's got to be documented. Mm -hmm. So just come on my podcast. Hi, Bill. Hey, how's it going? Is that it now? Yeah, I don't know if I'm I never know if I'm supposed to like interject during that. Like I don't know either. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just like berating people with compliments and I'm sure it gets very uncomfortable. Did we really meet at a tweet up? Is that how we met? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was at the lazy cat or something. Oh, my God. On sunset. I want to say. What a stupid thing. What a stupid. I know. And it was funny because I was like new ish to L.A. and I'd been like grinding open mics. But I went to tweet ups and I'm like, these are my people. Yeah. These neurotic, weird, internet funny people. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think it's like one of those things where I just felt like I've always known you. Does that <laughs> make like, sense? Just, that's not like a creepy way. Like, uh, <laughs> like we like, were, you know, born. just like, yeah, that's the person who I've always known in LA forever. Like, yeah. I always, I associate certain people with Los Angeles and just forever. Yeah. Cool. You don't remember meeting me, but you do remember when I called you from Vegas and I was like, Bill, I'm going to die. Can you help me stop drinking? I do remember that. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. We didn't really know each other. No, but I But I, I knew you forever. <laughs> exactly. I'm like... <laughs> I was like, oh, the LA person from the internet. I was like, then you yeah, called yeah. me about getting sober. I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. She needs this right now. I remember I had just started stripping. And you're like, mm, you might have to stop doing that. I don't know. And I was like, no. Yeah. But I didn't well, have to. And you, you weren't telling me to. Right. Well, there's some people who, to get sober, like they can't be bartenders anymore. And they can't. Totally. Totally. Understandable. It's fucking hard to get sober in a strip club. I can imagine. What, I mean, what was that like for you trying to get sober? Sometimes I would just. When I was newly sober, just like don't make eye contact with the whiskey. Don't make eye contact with the like. Don't look at it. Like really. But then you have to look at. Are it there other at sober strippers? Yeah, there's a girl Malice who has 15 years at my club. There's a bunch. Do people work fucked up, or are they like, or do you stay sober to like be able to perform? What's what's um, the? I think like any workplace, there's a handful of people who drink and use drugs regularly or heavily. But then, like, a lot of the girls are kind of normies. They just have a drink a night, maybe, you know? I always am so perplexed at that. I was working with a girlfriend last night, and the guy we were sitting with, who was coked out of his mind, kept trying to get her to drink more. Uh, He kept saying, oh, no, a drink an hour, a drink an hour. And she's like, no, I just have one drink throughout the night. I'm like, wow, how do people do that? I never understood that. I watched her sip it. For like an hour. I'm, I get so jealous of those people. People who like just like have like, I know, you know, you know, people who like pour a glass of wine, they drink half of it. They're just like, eh, I'm kind of done. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Done. What do you mean done? It's kind of like people who can eat like half a piece of cheesecake or something. I know. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. How do you do that? Are you with that with other things too, besides drugs and alcohol? Are you like, you just go balls to the wall? Balls to the wall. I was, um... The sex addict stuff was so crazy for a while. Um, that was when I was still drinking mostly. 
And with that, with tattoos, now shopping. Shopping's like my newest addiction. Well, that's good. That means you have money. Yeah. <laughs> right? A lot of it is just browse addiction. Like, I'm online browsing a lot. But I do buy shit that I don't need. Do you do much. the thing where you, like, you fill up your eBay carts, your Amazon wish list thing, and then you just I don't, don't buy anything? I don't. But as a stripper, I should have an Amazon wish list. Yeah, for There's sure. There's so many horny guys that would be willing to buy me lingerie. Do they, do they try to, like, marry you? Do they come in and they go, like, you're everything? No. <laughs> no. The guy last night kept professing his love for me, but he was so coked out. I don't think he's going to remember any of that. He kept I, saying, I like your energy. And it's like, no, you just like cocaine. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, did, well, he, is that someone you've seen you've uh, seen before? No, I hadn't met him before, but he was in love with me, Bill. But I want to ask about Cho. Okay. I want to see what you're up to. I remember once you posted about how you had this crazy moment with Dane Cook that changed your life. Oh, Which my is God. funny to me. What happened? What was that? Was that before you got sober? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was totally fucked up. Really? I mean, pe- here's the thing. This is like, I'll, uh, you know, a lot of qualifiers. Yes, everyone doesn't like Dane Cook. You know, he's not, you know, he's maybe not what he used to be, but he's a nice what guy. What did he used to be? Uh, he used to be great when I was 18. Like, I don't, I, I probably wouldn't be doing stand up if it wasn't for Dane okay. Cook. You know, like he just. I remember everyone on MySpace kept making that him the number one friend in their top friends, top eight. Yeah. Like, people loved him in high school, and I didn't get it. But anyways, I was whatever. Well, he was like, when you're 17 years old and you don't know much about comedy, like, I was into, like, George Carlin and, like, Dennis Miller for some reason. Like, when I was, like, 14 or 15 years old, I remember, like, my friends would be on the basketball court playing basketball, and I would be on my bicycle riding on the outside of the basketball court listening to Dennis Miller. And Mm. he's, like, so smart and so... I didn't understand half the words he was saying, but the cadence of what mm-hmm. he was saying, I was like, ah, I really love this and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it wasn't until, I guess, like Dane Cook that I like heard somebody. I was like, oh, fuck, he's talking about like Pop-Tarts and like fucking speak and spell. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is this resonates with me Got because you. he's speaking to my generation. And so that totally. was like, you're a right. Revelation. I kind of liked comedians across the board. I liked angry ones. I like weird ones. I like political humor. I like all of the different. So yeah, I think there's a place. Yeah. Um, But when I was, so I guess I was, fuck, uh, probably like 22. So this was like 11 years ago. I saw, I went with my friends to go see Dane Cook in like Atlantic City or something. And he would always do these meet and greets afterwards where oh, you can cool. like. Well, that's yeah. actually more humble than a lot of comedians. I know. And he, I was like so fucked up and I always, I wanted to be a comedian. Like it was like, um, comedy was such a big part of my life. But like, you know, when you grow up in the suburbs in Philadelphia, it's like, mm-hmm. that's not a real thing. It's like, no, you're going to work in an office. Ex- exactly. Like you're going to, you're going to work with your dad it's in construction. It's a pipe dream when you grow up in like the middle of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. So I was waiting in line. And my friend was like, you should ask him how to become a comedian. Like, it's what you want to do. And I was like, I don't know. Like, And so I was like, what do I got to do to become a comedian? And he literally took me out of the line and talked to me for five minutes. Wow. About, There's a thousand people waiting in this line. Wow. And I'm so shocked by that because people always talk shit on Dade Cook's behavior in general. Yeah. At the at the comedy clubs around L.A. But that is rad. Yeah, I don't I don't. 
it was that one particular moment that I thought was really great. And no, it is know. great. He took the time to talk to you. A lot of comedians would never do that. I know. And then I ran into him like when I first moved to L.A. and was like, hey, you did this for me. You didn't even remember doing it. And he was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Thank you for that. So what did he tell you? He pretty much was like, uh, you're going to be really bad for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do open mics. You're going to have to be terrible. And you're going to have to push through that. And if you really want to become a comedian, you just keep going. Don't stop. No matter what anyone tells you, just keep going. Don't stop. Yeah, that... Where um, do you live? Where do you... Where can you get up? You live in the suburbs. You should probably move to, like, Philly or, like, mm-hmm. get a car so that you can get to Philly all the time. Like, do whatever you got to do. But don't don't give up and keep grinding, which is pretty good advice. I um, had a similar thing I read when I was in college and I was so fucking depressed and suicidal in college. I hated my life and I hated the trajectory of where it was going and that I was supposed to get a job after school and all I wanted to do was stand up and I would just read stand up's books and watch the videos online and um, why am I blanking on his name? But you know like the biggest guy on Twitter, like uh, his uh, Avi was like him in a banana hammock forever. Uh, Rob. Uh, Rob. I want to say Rob Fee, but it's not Rob no, Fee. You know Rob Fee. No, he's that's my roommate. Uh, Rob. Oh, you live with him. Yeah, Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney. Yes, he wrote a blog when I was in college that completely like became like my mantra for the next seven years or so, however long it's been. But someone asked him, "How do you get into stand up? How do you do comedy? Become a comedian?" And it was like four things. It was move to either L.A. or New York. Read a lot, write a lot, be really nice, perform as much as you can. And it was like, whoa, that's it. Because I kept reading all these comedians' books, following their little stories and their little adventures, what they had had, but nobody laid out, how do you fucking do this? I mean, it helps to read their books. Yeah. But it's so simple, and it's mostly not giving up, and it's hard not to give up. Yeah, I think it's so much of it's just showing up, just continuing to... I mean, you got to eat shit for a long time, right? Absolutely. Will you produce The Bachelor? And I know you were producing that um, game show, Hollywood Game Show with Jane, Jane Lynch. Hollywood Game Night with Jane Lynch on got NBC, you. 7 p.m. Thursday. <laughs> Do you miss that? Uh, the what? what the, producing the, that show? Yeah, the game. Well, I mean, it comes in season. So it's like I produced the last season. The oh, new okay. season hasn't started. That could be it. Are you managing to fit stand up in with all of your producing and your real man jobs bill yeah you know it's it's hard but actually like uh, all of that informs the other thing so it's you know when i go do stand-up i take like some of the writing and producing stuff that i do with me and i think about that and i think about the audience more and then when i go and work on a tv show like you know highwood game night or something obviously jane's very funny and all this stuff is like rooted in comedy to a certain degree mm-hmm. or another and you kind of take those lessons you learn from stand up and you go like, you know, this is this is funny. I mean, it, it just stand up just helps you with so much, so I know. much outside of just even it, it teaches you how to take criticism in a way that a writer's room can't teach you. Like if I write something bad in a writer's room and they're like, well, this isn't what well, this isn't what we're looking for. I can take that because I have dumped my heart out on stage before and yeah. have eaten shit. Oh, you mean it know scars what it's you like enough. To be. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this is nothing. Like my... Yeah. I actually, I dealt with a situation recently where I got direct messages um, from some friends kind of with some criticism of things I'd said. And it was very fair. What they wrote was fair. 
But I never used to have the humility to deal with that and then alter my behavior afterwards. And it's just so it's like new to me to be able to just learn from your mistakes. And that's can I ask what it, what it was? I'm going to keep that vague, actually. OK. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I'm not breaking gonna, news. I can't. But it's like I just <laughs> I don't take criticism well. But when you your whole career is contingent upon pleasing an audience, you have to. Yeah. So, like, are you trying to do stand-up more? Or is that going to be... I feel like stand-up led me to comedy writing. That's what I want to do. Right. But are you trying to just do stand-up comedy, like, as a comedian? I feel like being a comedian is so many things now. Yeah. I mean, I think I moved to Los Angeles with, like, um. So, if, if like... Sh- oh, God, this is a good sound. Is it, like, is it too boring to talk about, like, showbiz stuff? Is that boring? Not at all. No, no. I, I, you're I don't want to be, like, me. a boring guy. No, you're teaching me. I feel like I'm not doing good on this podcast. Anyway, um, so if there's like a checkerboard and you have like all your little pieces in front of you and one of them says like stand up, one of them says podcast, one of them says fucking, you know, writing, one of them says producing. There's some people I know who came out here and just started moving one of those checker pieces forward. Right. Yeah. So they're trying to get to the end of the board and you have certain people who just go like stand up, stand up, stand up. And they're mm-hmm. racing that single checker piece down the board to get kinged. So. That's a strategy. Uh, You get there faster when you are completely focused on one aspect of what you want to be and what you want to do. And some people, that is their core of who they are. They're like, I'm a fucking stand-up. Yeah, and I used to think that was me, but it's not. And it's hard because I watch the people who just focus on stand-up do so well. And I wish that could be me. Right. But But it's not. I I grew up fucking so poor. Like I had not a great first 12 years of my life. So... I don't want that for myself. And there's a couple realities about me. One, I'm 33 years old. Two, I'm a heterosexual white uh, comedian. And I'm kind of funny. Like, I, not, I, there's not, if I focus everything on stand-up, like, maybe in, like, seven years, I'm, like, as good mm-hmm. as I would hope to be. Mm-hmm. So the reality is, is, like, I need to move all my checker pieces forward and make because I want to work you want in a comedy. Life. I you want, want a, a full yeah. life and a nice place, or at least be able to afford your rent. Yeah, and I like show business. I like the shows I write for. I like, I, I get to be funny. I get to use my personality in a way that is fulfilling for me and I get to be creative, which is so I get to make money being creative. And that's yeah, so important. Stand up, you just get paid in beer. It's like not that. Right. I mean, unless you're like really terrific. And I just, I'm uncertain how, same, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I and just even don't when I, I got to chance. the point, I would say a year ago where I'd been doing it for like five years and I was really going hard. And I felt like it got to the point where I was actually like pretty good at stand up. Like it took a long time, you know, but I knew what the audience would laugh at before I, you know, before I said the joke on stage. Like I knew which jokes would work on stage, basically. But I wasn't getting the fulfillment out of it anymore. It didn't hit for me anymore. It's a right. drug. It's a fucked up drug. But it wasn't working anymore. Just like I guess I'll tie it into sobriety. Cocaine wasn't working anymore. Beer wasn't working anymore. Whiskey wasn't working anymore. Whatever wasn't working anymore. Weed wasn't working anymore. Sex wasn't working anymore. Um, so I really have to know that I love something to keep at it when the high goes away, I guess. Right. And I think like productive stuff, production does that for you. Um, okay. I want to also just talk about, so you said you were fucked up when you met Dane Cook, but you have nine years sober now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that happen? 
I, um, well, I was, I feel lucky because I was, um, like my mom was an alcoholic as well. And she was like, I think alcoholism or addiction is a spectrum disease. So there's the people on the far end who are totally bananas, apeshit, crazy. And there's the people who like, you know, Aunt Margie drinks too much at Thanksgiving. (laughs) And like, I'm not an Aunt Margie. I am like (laughs) on my mom's end, which is like a super villain, like mega hardcore. And I feel really lucky for that just because it's so when I drink or use, it's so binary. It's like, oh, I cannot actually live like this. It's so out there. I know that you said you like stole, not a tractor, but like a- I climbed in a bulldozer. A bulldozer. Yeah. How did did you get up there? What? I was like, so it's like, you know, when you're like on a run and there's like bits and pieces that like, that are in your, you're like, I remember this. I remember some of that. I remember some of this. I remember climbing in a bulldozer. I, that's, like the chunk of that I remember. That's bananas. I remember uh, living in an abandoned um, uh, trailer for, I, th- I don't know how long, might have been like a week or two. Like there was just like so many, so, so that's how I would use. So for me, oh it was God. like very. <laughs> it was clear that it was not right. working out for you. And I was, I was, uh, I was like blackout drunk at like five o'clock in the morning and I was, wow. I was watching like the John Adams miniseries because it's very good. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking that I was either going to, it's like, I'm either going to kill myself now or I'm going to like check into rehab and try to be the thing I've always wanted to be, which is a comedian. And yeah, like, that kind of kept me going too because so many, all the time actually I wanted to kill myself. Yeah. But I was like, no, I got to be famous first. Right. <laughs> so people will care when I kill myself. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like totally still on the table. But Absolutely. But like, I, I think for me, what's really great about that is when you're completely at bottom and oh, you decide so you're going to do it. It's fucking amazing because it's like. I called you when what? I was there. I was practically overdosing. My heart was racing out oh of my, my chest. Oh my God. And I remember you telling me something, though, that really it stuck with me for so long and it helped me get and stay sober so well, which was that you didn't know how bad my drinking was, but you were just like, oh, but, you know, yours isn't that bad, but it's better to get sober now than to waste all of these years being mediocre and just kind of drunk the whole time. And I was like, whoa, that like hit me upside the head because this whole time I was kind of enthralled with this thought of suicide or death. I hadn't thought of like years wasted, potential wasted, my it's looks the worst wasted, thing. literally like my looks wasted killed me. And uh, <laughs> that's all I cared about. So that's what's the most important thing. But that's what I mean by like spectrum disease. And like I, I, the people I feel really bad for, the people who are just a little bit fucked up and they will see their Same. life fall apart over decades. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, remember when the Titanic sinks and it like takes longer than you think it takes to yeah, sink? yeah. It's just like really, I mean, we know those people who are like in their 50s or 60s and they're just getting their shit together because they just figured it out. And or, they've lost two wives and mm-hmm. their kids don't talk to them. And Or going to open mics and then seeing the guy that is 50, 60 years old and he's still doing the same Valley open mics. And I say that because I live in the Valley and I do a lot of Valley open mics. Yeah, But it's like that guy at the open mics who's just kind of like drunk and like, still doing the same jokes about Roseanne Barr right. from the 80s or the 90s. Where is this open mic? Because <laughs> it sounds incredible. 
Um, so you yeah. went to rehab, and I know you your puka shell necklace was confiscated. What? Yeah, yeah, because they don't want you to choke yourself to death with it, which is exactly <laughs> you deserve to be choked. To what death I should have done with my puka shell necklace i mean what a fucking time stamp like to yeah. let you know like how long ago i was in rehab <laughs> i thought i was, I was in, like i was the... in there with my no fear t-shirt and my puka shell necklace <laughs> the thing is, I thought and I they was... took my pogs away <laughs> was so and i know you guys you always write about that you guys did like crafts and painting and rehab did it work it worked for me because i was so um terrified I was just so like, I can't, the nightmare. I need my puka shell necklace back. That I was like, yeah, I need to rep that puka shell. <laughs> I can't leave here without this puka shell necklace. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. Like I, I also knew that I, like, I wasn't, I can't do it. I just knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't drink even though I really wanted to. And the nightmare I was living because of that just wasn't worth it and I wanted something else more and it's like living life with the cheat code on right it's like I wanted to be a comedian and it's like I was lucky because I was in a position where it's not like nobody's going like but what about your career like I right. had a puka shell necklace on when I checked into <laughs> rehab I didn't have a job I had nothing so literally anyone in my life was like whatever guy like whatever it takes to like give you a motivation outside of drinking mm -hmm. go for it and so that was very liberating. And I always had in the back of my mind, like, hey, if this doesn't go well, I'll just fucking kill myself. Always. Big deal. I still have that. Yeah. There's always a way out. Exactly. An, an exit strategy. Also, you said that your parents met in rehab. Yeah. Is that, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm scared of that because my boyfriend and I are both sober um, from, you know, being active addicts. And I'm like, oh, like if we ever had kids, they'd be fucked up. Like, sure. I'm so scared. It's a genetic disease a lot, yeah. you know. No, I, I think about that too a lot. And that's yeah. why like, I, I want to breed with a normal Normie. human being. <laughs> like the most normal person. No, um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like my parents met in rehab and so I'm an alcoholic and a comedian. So yeah, like that's <laughs> what I had to totally. do. There was no other option. I'm so scared of that. I just got a dog and I have a cat. So it's just like... I'm like, let me just take out my maternal instincts on animals because I don't think I should raise babies. Do you want kids? I do. I really want them. But that's my body trying to trick me, Bill. I'm 28 now. And now when I see babies, I want to smell them. Oh, my God. I want to I'm just like, oh, let me smell your baby. <laughs> what do babies smell like? Oh, they smell like powder. But really, they just make this like part in my chest close up. Like, do you ever feel like there's like a gaping hole in your chest? Yeah. For me, as as a woman who's 28, like uh, the smell of a baby fills that, and a baby on my chest Ooh. fills that hole. Like imagine, like all the pain going away. Oh my god! Do you have an IUD? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the pill and condoms, but like my boyfriend's 23, and he's like, "Are you taking your pill?" And it's like the more he asks that, the more I'm like, "What if I just stopped right. taking it? Totally, just to piss him off." And, Whoopsie! You know, have a baby. Smell this baby. <laughs> The thing is, I'm like one of those few people that's never had, I say few people, but I don't know. I've never had an abortion. Like, I always tell him, he's like, <laughs> let's jump to I, I am just one of those few people. You're never going to believe this, Bill. I've never had an abortion. <laughs> I mean, like. One of the few. <laughs> the proud. You're, this is going to shock you. Have you seen me? I'm wearing a Juicy Couture terry cloth jumpsuit that has my ass hanging out of it and face glitter today. I should have had many abortions. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean. I should have had a lot of them. 
but I always tell him because you every couple has that talk unless you're like 40 or some shit like hey if I knocked you up like would you keep it or what and like my answer is steadfastly since forever has been like oh yeah without a shadow of a doubt I I did an abortion like right. no pause but and I say that to him but now I don't mean it oh so you're lying like if you if that happens you'd be like tricks you motherfucker <laughs> I don't know where I'd stand on it. I think, like, there might be, like, a weird part of me, a.k.a. my racing baby cravings that would stop me and be like, actually. You want to smell that fucking baby, dog. But that means, like, I'd have to give up being cool. Well, before we came, Bill and I started recording, he was telling me I'm cool. Like, I wouldn't be cool anymore. I don't think that's true. You can be cool and have a baby. Would I be a cool mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's like cool mom is cool like a stripper. synonym for like bad mom. Yeah. Though, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> cool stripper mom. There's no cool good mom. So you'd either be You're a, right. a cool mom or uh, a bad mom. I mean, that's fine too. Or a good mom. That yeah. makes interesting people. You don't have to be a good mom. Fuck you know it. what's weird is like, I mean, you were saying your parents been in rehab and, you know, of course you're an alcoholic and a comedian, but like some of the most normal seeming people I know come from the most fucked up households and the most fucked up people come from these very like privileged households. I know. I think you wrote a fucking joke about that. I was just reading. I just like stalked your whole Twitter today. I know. I saw like, catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I was like, somebody's doing research. <laughs> um, but you were talking about how like America's like the privileged kid with the great parents and all the potential and right, money. And then decides to be a DJ. Yeah. But there's yeah. really so many of those kids. I know. Like real people. I know. And it's a little frustrating because, you know, they walk around with like sleeve tattoos. I'm like, he kind of didn't earn that. I know. Like you, you have a second home. Your parents bought you a Corolla. Like At the fucking at my strip club, I it's in Los Feliz. So it's like all these dudes that come in, these hipster dudes with their stupid face tattoos and neck tattoos. And none of them have gotten a fight before. None of them. Yeah. They're scared of me. I walk at them in my six inch heels and they look up at me like they're they're like little. They're going to pee themselves. You fucking love it. Oh, my God. I get off. You I masturbate that to that. Shit. Speaking of masturbate, uh, <laughs> I saw on <laughs> so your Instagram. <laughs> for whatever's going to happen now. It's on your Instagram mm-hmm. that you had fucking Ryan Felipe on your stand up show. Mm-hmm. He was the source of my masturbation for so many years. Mine, too. I totally get Maybe it. Maybe these years right now. Yeah. Uh, he's really a, a What's sweet, he, he doing in stand up? What? What was his he wasn't, bottom? We were, me and Rob Fee uh, do a show called Scary Stories, where we have actors and comedians, um, directors, people who operate in the arts uh, come and tell a scary story. So uh, Ryan came and told a scary story at one of our shows, and it was really great. That's wild. So he's not a stand-up. No, but he... It's always so, weird when famous actors get into stand-up. Or famous musicians like John Mayer tried stand-up. I know. He's actually kind of funny. Oh, which really? Is, which is a little frustrating. Which it's is like, frustrating because... Like, why when the, the world's given you enough? Yeah. Just like... We've all masturbated our fingers sprained to him. Yeah. We all have. <laughs> we all have. All of us. Let's <laughs> uh, But so Ryan came on and he told a story about like... Everyone was telling like, like ghost stories kind of. And he came out and he was in like this little T-shirt and he leaned on the stool. And, and like when he was leaning on the stool, his like triceps looked like just like like uh, l- like juicy, Legos. Like, like Legos wrapped Legos? in like a balloon. Like it was just like all <sighs> crunchy. And he told a story about how like, you know, the scariest moment was tonight. 
When I saw my 16-year-old girl drive out the driveway by herself for the first time, everyone came. Like, immediately, everyone started coming. Like he nobody. a that's 16. I know. Isn't that fucking crazy? I wonder if she masturbates to him. Come on. <laughs> bad mom. Cool mom, bad cool mom. Bad mom. <laughs> on that note, let's take a break, guys. All right, we're back to Casey's Freak Show here at Meltdown Comics at 7522 Sunset Boulevard. And we're here with Bill Dixon. Bill, are you dating? Not right now. I'm about to go and uh, do TV production things for uh, like seven months this so year. So you're dating the TV. I'm dating the television. Yeah. Do you, how do you, like, I feel like you do so much in production and writing and mm-hmm. stand up and just being a dude. Like, how do you squeeze just dating? Just being in there? a dude. No, it's really hard right now, but I feel like right now is like a time where. I should probably focus on work stuff for a while. Yeah, I was talking to this crazy customer, the cocaine one last night, Mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah, I mean, there's too many options. There's no time for dating, and you got to do everything. And as crazy as he was, he was totally right. I feel like my trying to fit my relationship into everything is so fucking hard. Really? You see, guys, see, here's the thing. I know you from the computer, and uh, according to all the Instagram... (laughs) Oh, so stuff. you think you Instagram's your, real? Yeah, I, I assume. Bill, that come on. That that's how um, that you have a very uh, easygoing, fun, cool girl life with your fun, <laughs> cool boyfriend. That guy's a piece of ass, by the way. <laughs> he really that guy is. is a total piece of ass. <laughs> I think you're doing fine. Like, what? How often do you? How many nights a week are you with him? Um, like three or four. I work three nights a week, so I can't spend the night with him those nights. He lives far away. But. So. Yeah, and what's wrong with that? How do I balance my codependency with my career, Bill? How do I do it? Three to four nights is not codependent. It's just... I know, that's what I'm saying. It's not enough for me. My codependency needs more. That's why I got (sighs) a dog. I need something to love me all the time. Yeah. How does he feel about um, you being a stripper? It's rad. It's cool. Like, he met me while I was not at the club, but he knew I was a stripper. I'm so open about it. Actually, part of my, like, seduction of him, like, seducing him was we were in this group of sober people. He's sober too. And like sober parties get hella weird because there's no booze or drugs. So we just get very sexual very quick. And we were doing this like game we made up, which was spin the truth or dare spin the bottle. I don't know. The only sober people. Right. Um, And I ended up giving his best friend a lap dance and I stripped all the way down to my panties and I did it like knowing where he was at in the room, being very cognizant of his eyes and, like, we didn't even interact that night or until weeks later. But months later when we were dating, he's like, I remember that. I remember it was a turn on. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. So it's like that was what I isn't used it, it to get him. Isn't it funny how uh, people who drink do all those things to get a party like the one sober people have? <laughs> yeah. Like, that is the entire goal of being single and drinking is to have moments like that. Yes. They should just But we really... just get weird very quick because. They should find a 12-step program of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> That's our that's our thing, but he's he's cool with it because he has to be. <laughs> I mean, like I would never date somebody who badmouthed my job or tried to make me leave. I know a lot of dancers that have, and I mean it's unfortunately common, but I would never compromise parts of me for someone else. Yeah, that's... do you feel like stripping's a big part of you? Like it's a yeah, it's it's huge. not just a job for you. No, it's my family. Those are the people that I worked with for a couple years there and who run the place are my family. Some of the regulars even are just 
just the homies, like mm-hmm. the weird shady regulars, the weird characters you meet there are the my family and the dancing itself is cathartic. The attention I get on stage, it sort of has filled that void I was getting from stand up for being needed, needing to be seen. Yeah. Um, but in a much what I would say healthier way, stand up is like got its highs and its lows and. It's just so male dominated in the strip club. It's it's all these women and we run the show and guys are f- so afraid and they can get thrown out at the drop of a dime. And it's just this goddess house, whereas stand up is just like dudes and they're sneering and then they're pitting the women against each other. Who, so we're sneering at each other and they're just hitting on you and giving you tags that aren't funny that you didn't ask for mm-hmm. on your jokes Whereas stripping just like it really fills me in many ways. And I don't want to do it forever. I mean, I'd be, I'd probably be that girl who goes in like I know one of the girls who's like older and she goes in just to work Friday nights, has her nine to five job. It's just fun. It's fun. It's social. You know, I get this high from it because I don't do drugs anymore. So, yeah, it's it's a big thing for me. Do you think it's the particular strip club you work at? Probably that's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I've heard from some of the girls who... um are from Portland. I'm from Portland, but I never danced up there. That it's the most similar to the Portland clubs. Mm-hmm. It's got a very alt feel, like a lot of alternative looking girls and just the general vibe of it. Um, I think LA, I've heard before I even got into dancing, is notoriously bad for strip clubs. That's interesting. Yeah, I read a lot about it before I got into it. And, you know, had I stayed in Portland and danced there, it'd be a different scenario. I'd probably jump club to club and have a different, you know, have a little more freedom but in LA I feel like I wouldn't work at any other club than the one I work at for a lot of reasons. Do you ever talk about the club you do work at on your? Yeah yeah, yeah. I'm open about it. Uh, how do they feel about you talking about it on? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm an independent I'm sure contractor they... to be fair. Yeah. So I'm employed by myself technically and I pay taxes on that. I'm actually like now LA is doing like you are if you're an independent contractor technically you own your own business they're taxing you on top of all the taxes I already paid, but just to be my own business, which is crazy. That's crazy. My booty is a business. Bill. Yeah. LLC booty. Yeah. For real. Um, yeah. So I guess getting back to the boyfriend thing, like I would feel awful if I let a man control me. How long have you guys been together for? Almost a year. It's a long time in KCQ standards. Yeah. What's like, what's like the trajectory? What's like the normal arc of a relationship for you? Like how long? I've only been in one, like two others and they were in college and they were messy. Yeah. It was basically just a guy babysitting me for three years. So I don't know. This is like your first big girl thing and you're doing a pretty good job. I mean. I'm trying. I don't know what I'm doing. It's so confusing, Bill. How do you, how do you love people? Like do you. Not totally sure. Do you let yourself do that ever? All the time. I love, I love pretty hard. I mean for better or worse. Like that, you know, that works in like that's it can be really great, but also it can be very destructive and like. Um, because I know you're not tight with your actual family. No, I mean, I have a stepdad who I'm close with. I have a half brother who I'm close with and I have a step grandmother I'm close with. And I have like some. Yeah, I mean, they're my mom killed herself when I was 12. My dad left when I was five. I haven't seen him since. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's not like a lot of points of contact with 
actual family. My stepdad's really great. But so for me, like, um, like I was dating a, a girl for a couple years and we broke up and now we're very close friends because like, how I, does that I work? I don't understand to... how people can do that. I wish I could do that. Break up and then be friends. Are you guys like genuinely friends or you're just like, oh, we're friends like in the. No, we're like legitimately friends. It's great because it's like a point of I don't think you can do that with every relationship. I just think I got lucky on on this. Um, but I think at the end of our relationship, we were actually more friends than we were like lovers. So oh, after a about a year. Platonic. Yeah. So then after a year or so of being broken up, I can like. It's it's I, I just it's it's hard for me to let go of people who like I invested so much. Totally. Like oh, yeah. Your time life. and emotion and everything into. And I was just like, you know, you know so much about me and who I am. Like, I can't afford to not have you anymore. Like, unless you <laughs> like, absolutely can't You cannot can't use this information it. against me. Right. Uh, no, I'm always scared that people are just going to stab me in the back. It's it's normal. It's healthy, right? No? Yeah. Um. So not to completely switch gears, but to switch gears a little bit. Um, I've been reading all of your posts all the time, um, and I love them, and you're very political. Are you scared that this is the end times right now? What? Are, what how are you feeling? I'm not scared. I'm confident that it's the end times. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that- It's off our backs to end everything. Yeah, exactly. I thought that it would be- I mean, I, there's just so much with- <sighs> I mean, just I could talk about this fucking guy for forever, but I think that he is really challenge uh, the the president of the United States really challenging the institutions of the executive branch, and I I think that the things that we thought were sacred a year ago, like things you a absolutely couldn't do, yeah. and would absolutely get you destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, we have now discovered Americans are actually pretty cool with. We're pretty flexible, huh? Pretty flexible with whatever whatever hatred other people have to say. Just kind of you know we. And it's and it's appalling and it's shocking and it's um, terrible. And I don't necessarily think it, it'll be Donald Trump who sinks the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It might be. But what he is, is he's a prototype of a kind of guy that we're going to see a lot of in the next 20 or 30 years. I just right. think that yeah, yeah. He just there's people, the door for... really horrific people who are watching. And it's like a guy like Donald Trump opens the door to let yeah. cronies in. Like the people yeah. he surrounds himself with. Yeah aren't politicians like we all have like this uh he's just another politician politician is a fucking job those people are lawyers they committed their life to public service Mm -hmm. it's a job Mm -hmm. like the people he is hiring yeah they're not politicians but they're (laughs) they're just opportunists and these people are flooding into um the executive branch and it's it's really putting a strain and it makes us look like fucking idiots across the world and I just don't know. Yeah. Um, can I just read my favorite sure. tweet of yours? Well, you had like 4,000 tweets that I loved about it, but I laughed so fucking hard. I mean, yours are always on point and they're funny and they have so much truth to them at the same time. I, they are just okay. <laughs> no, they're not. I'm like Thank your number you so one fan, much. Bill. I love you. I, I just want to fan out on this podcast. That's okay. all I had you on for. That's fine. Um, you wrote, if Hitler saw neo-Nazis today, he'd say, yeah, by perfect race, I meant like six foot four athletic doctors, not chubby dropouts for, with Fight Club dads. <laughs> I appreciate you reading the tweets and that you read the premise and then you did the act out. The dialogue did act out. you like out. the act out? I really did. I, I, I appreciate it. that. Sometimes people just read them straight up and it's like, that's not the voice I wanted Do for. Do people read you your tweets? That's, I mean, sometimes you know, people go, oh my God, you did the tweet of the thing. 
You said I'm like, no, that's not no, how you read it. No, say it with vigor. Say it like I like I wrote it. Like I meant it. Like I fucking meant it. You've also been in the uh, the New Yorker lately with some tweets. How did that happen? I don't know. Someone sent me a screenshot of me uh, of a tweet I wrote in the New Yorker, which it's, was like Twitter's so nuts, crazy. dude. It, it, it's crazy because it's just like such a double edged sword. Like fucking weirdos like you and I have got have used it as kind of like a diving board into all these other venues or just opportunities or simply networking with rad people i mean i'm not on there as much anymore but it got me a lot for a minute there but the other side of it is fucking donald trump just uh, stirring things up you know right he used the same platform that we use for something so much more sinister and it's just like oh is twitter good i don't know maybe it's not i don't know anything i don't know the answer to that i don't know how he's not kicked off i mean he's violated any number of terms of service over the course of the past two years, like mm-hmm. bullying, you're not allowed to do that. And he's absolutely bullied people. He calls out people by name all the time. Uh, it's fucking crazy. Right. But um, he's the reason why people go on Twitter. Like he is the mm-hmm. reason. I And I'm, I'm just as guilty of that. Do you get a lot of hate tweets? Because I've gotten those before. Just like the alt-right uh, finding and yeah, focusing I've, on I've you. gotten some of that. There was a thing I I, I had a, a a while ago that was a politically leaning tweet that kind of got some traction, and there was like people saying that they would shoot me and <laughs> shit like that. And I mean, it's you need to make it out to LA first. It's all yeah. It's like you harder. you can't get out here. <laughs> I hope <laughs> on your please, tractor. Oh God, don't you no can't get um, on your tractor, sir. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really care about that. It's not. No, I don't. I mean, you're a white guy. You're impenetrable. A little bit. I mean, that's not even um, like I have friends who are who are women who really like, man, Mm -hmm. fucking people have no problem telling a woman that she's not funny, telling a woman why she like why she shouldn't say that. And it's it's. I don't, I don't know how. And they directly go for it. your looks and they directly go after everything. I've been called a man so many times on the internet and I'm like, I don't think I look like a dude. Yeah. But it's just funny. They just go after your looks. They go after anything immediately if they disagree with you or feel threatened. That's that's never happened to me before. And it's, it's you know, I struggle with, um, like, I'm a, there's a, there's a level of removal from what you and other women go through on on the machine because uh, I can only <laughs> on the type type machine it's like we are all just kind of like viewing the world through our own eyes like everything's to the left of me or to the right of me and it's not it's not my story and so like I have to be right. reminded because I don't see that every day I just want yeah I wonder I was just actually asking you because I just wondered what it was like writing because you write a lot of political humor and it's so on point but it is it always has a stream of of politics to it and i was just wondering what is it like do you not get the kind of hate that i've gotten but i've actually because of all of that i've kind of backed off from the internet it caused me a lot of pain and i don't i don't feel like it's a retreating in in fear maybe but it's just like i don't want to deal with more resentments right now like i don't have the energy for it today i can barely get out of bed some days because right. of depression right i think the difference between what what you do on there and what i do on there is like all the things I say are kind of like, at least on Twitter. On Facebook, I think I'm more personal, and it's the, like the venue for that more for me. If I'm, we're talking online outlets, but for me, Twitter is so specifically political 
um, joke writing and joke, just straight up joke writing. Like I'm not sharing a lot of personal. That's true. That's true. Things on there unless they're one off jokes about my parents meeting in rehab or something. So. Right. Like when people shit on you, they're shitting on you. When people shit on me, they're going like, "Well, You're not you didn't funny. read the CBO score when it was no. like, uh, like, oh, correcting your fact checking you or right, which which they're usually wrong." But, uh, but speaking so of I don't care about that. Not opening up so much on Twitter. Um, I feel like you open up a lot on the internet, but maybe because we're Facebook friends. Um, then I guess I want to ask you what I ask all my guests, which is, "What does being free mean to you?" Oh man. Do you feel free? Do you feel like you're able to be free on the internet or in real life? I, I don't know. I could really go anywhere with that. Can I ask you what you, how you feel about it first? Yeah, yeah. No one's ever asked me, so I'm always like, oh, I wonder if someone's going to ask me. Oh, being free to me, I think, is just doing what you want to do without taking shame into account or other people's opinions and expectations of you into account for many years I lived by my parents expectations I went to college I was so miserable you know I did things the things I was supposed to I got the scholarship that paid for my college education because my mom said a you need to go to college and b you need to fund it probably through scholarships and so I did it and I was like this is awful and I think freedom is following your own heart and not living by the expectations of others I think and it's hard to do I mean like your parents are the ones I, I always I always just wanted my mom to love me and that's what I lived by for so long and she never gave me the kind of love that I wanted I wanted the kind of love that was open-armed and consoling but my mother does love me she just doesn't know how to show it in that way right so I guess for me it's just like okay she's gonna do her and I'm gonna do me and now that I'm living this life where I'm stripping and I'm pushing the envelope or whatever, you know, my mom's my mom gives me even less of the validation I've always sought from her. Mm. Very abusive relationship. <laughs> um, but I feel so much happier in my freedom. You know, she like unfollows me every time I post something remotely sexual or nude or having to do with the strip club on Instagram. But she'll refollow me the next day to let me know that she unfollowed me. That's it's like the most passive aggressive. That's insane. What's your relationship like with your mom now? Is it? I see her only like a couple times of the year where mm -hmm. we've never been close. But I think I just feel so, you know, I, I, I had to move far away from her and I had to do my own thing and. I can I do feel free most days, you know, when I was living under what she wanted of me, I was so unhappy and like, she, you know, she didn't really give a shit. <laughs> she just yeah. wanted it to look good on the outside. You know, this is the daughter I raised. So to maybe be my prototype. Maybe you can just move back to where you're from. Yes. Become an elementary school teacher. Mm. Leave your life behind and repress all your feelings and be a good girl. And be a mom. Bury it all down inside. Have a baby you can smell all the time. <laughs> I do. Uh, some with days. With a guy who's an accountant. And then. Oh, some days I do. And then you live a lie. And the, yeah. your mother will be so thrilled. Some days I, do I would be willing to trade it all for a baby I could smell all the time, Bill. <laughs> that is so terrifying. <laughs> this is how I feel every girl I date. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yep. they're like, yeah, I don't know about kids. They're like, you might want to smell a fucking baby. <laughs> Let me smell that fucking baby. So where, where, how are you free? What's freedom in your life? I don't you know. live a rad life that you get to do so much things that you love, I feel. I think uh, I don't really know what freedom is. Um, I, I think for me, it's like 
those moments where I get to be present and uh, in the middle, like when I'm on stage, when I'm doing stand up, there's moments where that feels free to me because I feel like I am totally here right now. I'm not thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. I'm not thinking about mistakes I made yesterday. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about nothing. I'm just right here right now. Because when you perform stand up, it's like you can feel when you lose the audience and you get them back. It's like if you're holding a rope to say like a horse or something in your hands, like you can feel it like pull into you a little bit. You're like, yeah, this horse is coming to me. Mm -hmm. And you can feel the rope burn you a little on its way out. And it's like stand up is such a little, it's like, it's a horse. Yeah. (laughs) Stand up as a horse. People are a horse. If there's one thing I want you to take away from today's podcast, stand up as a horse. (laughs) Phil, go along with my metaphor. A beautiful horse. No, it's a really good one. I know what you're saying. You it's just, like you can feel I can feel like I'm pulling them in and I'm like, yeah, but then like you have to be present because you're like, how do I get them to come back to me? Right. You whisper a dick joke in their ear and they mm. come back to you. They come back to you. Is that how you get your women to dick whisper? Bill Dick's in the dick whisperer. Let me smell that baby. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention you helped me get sober. I know I mentioned it briefly earlier. But I like you talked to me also one other time when I was like newly sober mm-hmm. and in Oregon because um, my grandpa was dying. And, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go back home for when I was like three months sober. I was it was all so raw, and my mom was wasted, and she's like tripping and falling all over everything. And my dad's like, "You need to take care of your mom," because like my dad doesn't know how to like do stuff or be emotionally present. Yeah, and I remember I just called you from my hotel room, and I was just like. Phil, what do I do? Like, I don't know. Like, I ran away from the situation. Like, my grandpa's there. He's literally on his last leg, you know? And you were just like, you talked me through it. And I really appreciated that. What did I say? I don't know. You were just like... I'm, I just hope it was useful. Yeah. You have been useful to me. I'm Are good. you? I'm glad. Yeah. I'm good. I'm you glad. Ha- <laughs> Why aren't you good? Are you, like, doing stuff in your recovery these days? Uh, What do you mean? Are you working on like your sobriety stuff? Or you just yeah, I mean it's like an everyday thing, right? So, just try to like remember, um, like when I. Sometimes it's hard to not lose sight of where you kind of came from. Like I remember when I checked out of rehab, uh, along with the puka shell necklace, they gave me my shoelaces back. Right. Uh, because when you check into rehab, they don't want you to have shoelaces because they don't want you to kill yourself with shoelaces in their rehab. You kill yourself so many ways and so many things. This is giving me ideas. I know. And uh, so when I checked out, they gave me my shoelaces back. And I remember that being like the first thing to happen to me outside of rehab was I got my shoelaces back, mm-hmm. which seems like nothing, but it meant so much to me in that moment. It, I, I felt like, oh, my God. I've earned this. I've earned my shoelaces (laughs) back, you know? And it's kind of like, no matter what you do in your life after that, you know, whatever TV show you write on or whatever stand-up show you do or any amount of success in your life, you have to remember that there was a time that, you know, I didn't have shoelaces. Yeah. Do you ever get caught up in like your big boy problems these days where it's like your problems are so awesome compared to what they used to be? Totally. Because I do. All the time. And I, I I, think that given the lives that we led, we have a different kind of perspective on that. And it's like, you're like, oh, I can't believe I got this ticket. It's like, oh, also, 
I, I was car. drinking hand sanitizer <laughs> and yeah. I didn't have shoelaces. So fuck you, Bill. That's right. You were drinking hand sanitizer. Yeah. Did you ever drink rubbing alcohol? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is alcoholism right there. <laughs> yeah. But I felt like, you know, mine got out of control in its own way um, where it was just like, okay, once I had the drink, I was so obsessed with finding drugs and sex that like, and it was just like this crazy, they all went hand in hand. Like I, I just needed all the distractions. Sure. And they were, they just, all three of those got very out of hand very quickly. So it wasn't necessarily just drinking or just doing drugs, but it was like, I need that, the booze. And then I find the drug and then I find the sex and I got a Tinder until there's no one left on Tinder. And then I'm wide in the mile radius. And it's just like so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like my own bottom happened. Maybe not because I was crashing cars, though I definitely could have. Um, It was just like this exhaustion from seeking and seeking and trying to find and then these days i'm like oh well like my puppy pooped outside i have to pick up his poop it's like oh i have a puppy now and an awesome apartment where i can have the puppy and a great location with an awesome roommate who's not shady and a great boyfriend you know what i mean like it's just like I'm like, oh man, like I have to pick up his poop. Like right. Or, or but just also being don't out. don't get caught in the trap that runs the opposing way, which is like all of a sudden, like uh like my mom killed herself. Like you're not allowed to be mad when you go through a breakup. Mm-hmm. Like you've gone through worse. It's like, no, you have to liberate yourself to also uh be upset that you have to pick up dog shit. It's fucking annoying. Like, or just who or wants just to, to feel do that? feelings. Yeah. Right. You the have days- to there's a balance though, right? So it's like we have a, a a tendency to obsess. So it's like if we are given the uh the leash space, as it were, to obsess about like, well, the dog shit in the yard, which means I'm like why I'm am I letting d- the dog shit in my yard? Or I'm am I gonna be a bad mother? Mom. I'm gonna be a and bad mom. Be a bad regular my boyfriend's mom. gonna leave me. My boyfriend's gonna leave me. I'm never gonna be a good mom. I'm gonna be just like my mom. I'm gonna ruin mm-hmm. someone's life. They're gonna become mm-hmm. a stripper, but they're gonna hate yeah. it. They're not gonna have the same liberation <laughs> I am, and everything's gonna fall apart. And the world's gonna end. Totally, completely. It goes so down the rabbit happen. hole like that, oh, just no like you said. Yeah. Everyone's gonna leave me. I'm gonna be alone. Yeah. But you're right. It's just like it's hard. I'm such a perfectionist that I'm like, oh, I had a sad feeling. I should probably end it all because I'm not allowed that. Yeah. But I am allowed that. We're all allowed that. Um, so where c- can people find you and follow you? What are you pre- find me. What are you working on? I'm going to be not doing shows for uh, a few months because of a job thing. Um, but uh, follow me on Twitter at Bill Dixon-ish. Uh, or find me on Facebook or whatever. Or don't do any of those things. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> Do whatever you want. You don't have to do anything. Just don't hunt him down and shit. Just smell babies. Just sm- I think that's where the takeaway of this podcast. You smell baby. Baby smell. There should be that for just like those car fresheners. <laughs> New baby smell. Ooh. New baby smell. New baby smell. Oh no. Okay. Uh, thank you to my producer. <laughs> Mason Booker. I did you. This is the worst way to ever end a podcast. I love you, Bill. Mm. <laughs> Bye, guys. Mm.